people. Hello, my friends, and welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning. And I'm your host, Dixie Lee Henning. And this is a show that proves that the more you get to know the normal people in your life, there really are no normal people in your life. See what we did there with the K? It's like with the K-N-O-W or N-O. Yeah, like N-O is inside the word K-N-O-W. It's a play on words. Pretty brilliant. In my humble opinion. Because you can know someone. Yeah. And then there's no someone. <laughs> that doesn't work. See, I'm not tracking That's with not, that one. I didn't quite get that. As, that doesn't work as well. That didn't oh, work as well it. as you thought it this would. This is why you named the show. Yep. And I didn't. Hey, but we work together on this, right? Yeah. I'm so glad If I do. named it, it would have been Grapthar's Hammer. Rebrand. I think <laughs> I think Grapthar's hammer is pretty strong. That's from a movie called uh, Galaxy Quest. Of course it is. With Alan Rickman. Yeah. So good. Is that where he plays the sad robot? No. That's Hitchhiker's, That's Hitchhiker's Guide, to, Hitchhiker's the Guide to the Galaxy. Hey, it had the word galaxy in oh it. I was gosh. close. Okay. It's I was so close different. to an Alan I Rickman mean, character. He, he plays a sad robot in everything, I think. Professor Snape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a sad robot. And the colonel in Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> colonel Brandon. What a tiger. What a hottie. <laughs> colonel Brandon, as played by Alan Rickman in Sense and Sensibility, was the original Tiger King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Can we go with that? No, if... if- we were going to pick an Alan Rickman character that is the Tiger King. Yeah. It would be mm. that he played <laughs> the sheriff or whatever. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> that anyway, fits way better. Welcome, my friends, to No Normal People. This is a show welcome, where- Welcome to we, No Normal People and not Tiger King played the, by Alan Rickman. Yeah. Welcome to No Normal People. This is a show where we catalog the slow degradation of Stephen and Dixie Henning's minds in- what is now day, whatever, who cares, of quarantine. <laughs> who even cares? <laughs> this is just a day of quarantine now. It's not really a string. We're uh, running out of food. One of my favorite podcast personalities, PJ Vote from Reply All, mm-hmm. he tweets every morning and all the tweet <gasps> says is, this is a Sunday or this is a Monday. <laughs> He's just keeping Thank the you. calendar for the rest of Honestly, us. Honestly, I thought yesterday was Thursday, so, oh, you know... It's going. <laughs> I mean, what if someone's listening to this on a Friday? Then That's it fair. was Thursday. It was Thursday. But you're hearing this on a Tuesday, yeah. hopefully. So Ugh. this week on the podcast, we have one of my best friends. He was a groomsman in my wedding. He and I met in middle school youth group. He has the facial hair of a Greek god. And he has since he was in the seventh grade. <laughs> it's A little absurd. It's beautiful. And I've been jealous of him my entire life. His Italian mane. It's Steven Torna. Steven Torna. He is also a cat dad. 
to one of our cat's babies. Right. He adopted one of our kittens. Yeah. That was nice. Steven lives in Bozeman, Montana. He is a carpenter and an independent contractor doing a lot of really interesting projects. He just finished building some new bookshelves and a really neat looking barn door mm-hmm. with one of his partners. And he's a mixologist. And he's a mixologist. He used to be a bartender. <laughs> uh, he has a deep passion for making drinks, creating new interesting flavor combinations. So much so that he and I are about to start a podcast named The Whiskey Bench. Yeah. Where we feature the recipe of a different drink and he and I just talk shop and hang out. In this episode, we talk about that a little bit. Uh, and we also talk about his ultimate passion for furniture creation. He wants to eventually start and maintain his own pretty much furniture brand empire. Mm-hmm. He wants to create multiple lines actually inspired by his favorite cocktails and his favorite alcoholic beverages. So neat. And uh, Get it? as kind of, an, kind of a surprise exercise in this episode, I actually asked him, you know, like what kind of furniture would you make based on the old fashioned? And he just went for it. He was so ready for it. Did you get my neat joke? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, just, I got it. Because whiskey on the rocks yeah, are neat. it's neat. Yeah, it's good work. Neat. Thank you. Okay, I just needed. And I am actually not in this interview. Yeah, this was the. This is one of the ones that I was not here for, so. This was the last episode that I recorded on my own while you were on your Hiatus. sabbatical. Yeah. Something of the sort. So this is the last solo interview we will have with me and one of our friends. This was also recorded probably six weeks ago, which is much closer to- Yeah, we were pre-quarantine. <laughs> this is when we were like hugging each other. Yeah, when we can still- in When public. we can see humans yeah. in real life yeah, and he not and through I, like a TV screen. He and I the night before had gone out to one of our favorite breweries in Billings and got a beer with some friends. Completely different world this episode was recorded in, but that's okay. I think we're just going to get into it. Yeah, here is Stephen Torna. Okay, we are going to get started with rapid fire questions. All right, fire away. Chess or checkers? Chess. Board games or video games? Video games. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Oceans or lakes? Lakes. Rain or sun? Rain. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Early morning or late night? Early. I'm both. I stay up late and get up early. Oh, okay. Summer or winter? Winter. Beaches or mountains? Mountains. Libraries or museums? Museums. Cats or dogs? Cats. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles, baby. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. East coast or west coast? The west is the best. Sweet or savory? Savory. Do you call it soda or pop? Probably soda. Hogwarts or the Shire? The Shire. Books or movies? Books. Sweater or hoodie? Sweater. Handshakes or hugs? Handshake into a hug. Ooh. The hybrid? Yes. Introvert or extrovert? Uh, probably an extrovert. Phone calls or texts? Phone calls. More open-ended questions here, starting with a series of favorites. Favorite candy? Ooh, I would say maybe a whatchamacallit. Mm. You're not thinking of a name. That's the actual name it's of the it, actual right? name I'm of the candy so, bar. I'm so bad at candy it's bar chocolatey, names. chocolatey, peanut buttery, <laughs> everything you can't have. Okay. Favorite snack? Favorite snack? Probably maybe like carrots and hummus. Mm. 
Favorite morning drink? A hot cup of coffee. Just black coffee? Just black coffee. Great. Preferably a Kenya. Ooh, there you go. I like an Ethiopian myself. Favorite city? I am a big fan of Seattle. However, dear to my heart is Philly. Really? Yes, I love Philly. How many times have you been there? A lot, because it's where my grandparents lived. So growing up, we went a lot. And I haven't been since I was you know, older, but as a kid, I have some fond memories of downtown Philly. Very good. Who or what is your favorite musician or band? Probably the band Towers. Uh, that's T-O-W apostrophe R-S. Or oh. uh, the Paper Kites. What is your favorite novel? My favorite novel, either A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens or the Space Trilogy, any of those three books from Ooh. C.S. Lewis. Out of the Silent Planet is the first one, correct? Uh, Paralandra, Out of the Silent Planet, and then This Hideous Strength is the third book. Good stuff. Uh, what is your favorite smell? Um, if I want to be basic, it is Petrachor, the smell of rain. However, it's probably like what? fresh sawn walnut. <laughs> oh, okay. But yes, Petrachor, I believe, is the technical is term the name for, for that. The smell of rain. Wow. Favorite TV show? I must be honest, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, but from what I have seen, I love the show Barry. Never heard of it. It is a comedy with Bill Hader, and he's like a uh, wow hitman assassin who wants to pursue a career in acting and it's absolutely hilarious that's awesome that sounds good to me favorite ice cream flavor it is no longer in production but it was midnight snack by ben and jerry's oh yep and it had the chocolate covered potato chips in it foods you will never eat sea urchin watch this say i'll never eat it again oh yeah that's fair uh balut what is that it's the like mostly developed duck egg Oh, yep. And then probably brain. Who is the smartest person you know? And this is either no personally or no of. I think one of the smartest people that I can think of that I uh, admire is probably Dr. Jordan Peterson. But I obviously do not know him personally. Yes. What is your secret talent? Mm, flinging some cocktails. Ah, maybe that's not a secret. A mixologist. I am a mixologist. Sounds good. I'm sure we'll get back there. What was your first job? My first job, can I count something as like volunteer? Sure. Like, but it was a job? Sure. It was uh, the Yazoo program at the Montana Zoo. And I, like as a young child, volunteered at the zoo, learned about the animals, and then on... Uh, you know, specific event days, we would stand and tell people about like whatever animal we were in charge of that day. Whoa. It was awesome. It was so fun. That sounds awesome. But first job that I traded for, you know, cash monies (laughs) was uh, probably City Brew. No way. Me too. Heck yeah. Nice. Yeah. We worked together for quite a bit. Who is your historical hero? Okay. I'm going to answer somewhat lengthy. My philosophy is personally that every great historical figure can be critiqued in a negative manner. Mm -hmm. So I can't say that there's any one, you know, that is particularly inspiring. However, I mean, I said Thomas Jefferson. We all know he had problems. Right. 
but you know more recent kind of thinking of what is you know a great leader things like that i obviously i think very highly of someone like winston churchill what is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in probably like really really light kind of slightly bell bottomy jeans that maybe had like some bedazzling Ooh, fantastic if you could have one superpower what would it be i think about this often and i think it would be a really mundane thing okay i would be able to like heat and cook things via laser vision or something whoa but like it, it would it would be mundane like i said i wouldn't be able to slice through walls but i'd be able to basically like microwave my meal you could sous vide a steak yeah exactly <laughs> but with my mind that's awesome i like it makes a lot more things convenient a lot less work in the kitchen what comes to mind when i ask you your proudest achievement as of right now my proudest achievement is starting a business and for the first time feeling completely independent yeah what did you have for breakfast uh, I had a absolutely fantastic breakfast sandwich. It was a egg chorizo and kale sandwich in between a cinnamon chili donut. Whoa. What would you eat for your last meal? I would eat a beautiful pile of broccoli rabe mm. seasoned with garlic and lemon, some incredibly thin veal cutlets, and then maybe a nice glass of wine to go along with it lovely and finally what did you want to be when you grew up a paleontologist Ooh, 100% through and through digging up dinosaurs yes well I grew up fossil hunting that's fair and so I was obsessed with it okay that gets me straight into it I, I love it Stephen Torna thank you for joining the podcast pleasure to be here Let's get to know you. Where did you grow up then? I grew up in Montana, uh, in Hardin specifically. Yeah. Um, and I was born at the tiny hospital in Crow Agency on the uh, Crow Indian Reservation. Mm. How long did you live there before you started moving around, before uh, your family moved? We officially moved to Laurel, uh, I think when I was 16. Okay. So I spent 16 years in Hardin. Mm-hmm. Digging up dinosaurs. Yes. And <laughs> near Harden is where we went fossil hunting all the time. Fantastic. Yeah, I know there are a couple good spots out there for it, actually. A couple big finds have come out of there, hasn't there? Uh, I don't know about that, but Montana is an absolute mecca for, yeah. for fossil hunting. Oh, I'm thinking around Glendive. That is, Makoshiga. yes, Makoshiga and all that area. Wonderful yeah. specimens come out of there. Yeah, that's good. Tell me about your family a little bit then. Yes, Parents, absolutely. Brothers and sisters. Yes. So I've got an older brother and a younger sister. Okay. Uh, but uh, my parents, Steve and Jarrah, uh, my dad was a dentist. He's retired now. Uh, and he worked for the Indian Health Service, uh, mm. which is part of the public health service. So he was a uniform member of the government, essentially. Right. And he uh, was stationed in Hardin. And my mother was a dental assistant originally. That's how they met. Aw. <laughs> That's awesome. You moved to the Laurel area when you're 16. As I understand it, your dad kept working in Hardin, though, right? That is correct. So he was commuting to Hardin for a while, okay. uh, which was a pretty good commute, a little over an hour. But fairly quickly, probably less than a year after moving, yeah. he transferred 
to the small clinic in Pryor, which was a much more reasonable commute. I see. So your family makes it to Laurel. That's where I first met you. You started coming to my youth group. That's correct. I showed up to youth group one night and met all these (laughs) cool people that now are my best friends. Yep. Turns out I was the first Steven to be in that youth group. (laughs) Yes. And so for anyone listening that doesn't know me, most people don't really call me Steven. They call me Torna. Yeah. Which is my last name. Yep. And that really started when you showed up at our youth group. I remember a night where members of our youth group and like we were just all having fun, but it was more or less a vote on how we were going to differentiate each other if they were going to call either one of us. And we all decided, I think it was pretty much unanimous, that Torna sounds a lot cooler than Henning. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I agree. Yes. It's like, oh, all right. I'll take that. Plus, I was the first one, so I had dibs on the That's name. That's true. You right? had, you know, seniority. You were one of the first ones that spelled my name the same way, though. Absolutely the correct way. It is the correct the, way. The, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, <laughs> the traditionally Greek way. See, in the Bible, people. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> the first martyr, if I remember correctly. Yeah. There you go. So you grew up around Laurel. You and I were going to youth group together. You were homeschooled. Your entire life, weren't you? I was. So I was homeschooled basically all the way up into uh, late high school age when I started doing some college classes. Yeah. The reason being, you know, no disrespect to where I grew up, but the school system in Harden wasn't great. And then to further complicate that situation, I actually was diagnosed with leukemia when I was a kiddo. Woof. How old were you? When I was diagnosed when I was three. And oh then I goodness. believe I did... Four years of chemo, which wow. is a long time. Yeah, it is. And, you know, by then I was around school age, mm-hmm. but I still, you know, well, before then I was school age and I really couldn't be exposed to all those people because I was so immunocompromised. Yeah. So it was kind of the natural thing to transition into the whole homeschooling um, system. Yeah. And it kind of stuck. And there you go. We kept doing it. Wait, so was your brother homeschooled or did he go to public school? He went to public school um, for a while and then he was homeschooled a little bit and then went back to public school. Sure. Um, So there was was some flexibility there. Yeah, but you were pretty much homeschooled all the way and your sister was too just because your parents were already kind of in the routines and in the groove with you, right? Right, exactly. And, you know, we were still pretty deeply connected with the Harden community. I played Little League baseball and I swam on the swimming team. Whoa. And, um, you know, different events, 4-H, things like that. So it was, it was kind of, it was interesting because I knew so many people from the Harden school system, did things with them, but I never actually went to the school. And it ended up being the same way when you made it to Laurel. You, you knew quite a few people in the No, absolutely. And it's funny too, because I know so many people from Laurel. Every time I meet someone new and I'm like, oh yeah, I know, you know, Steven and Dixie and, you know, all these people that we know. They're like, oh, you went to Laurel? Like I never knew yeah. you were at Laurel. No, so, I was no, just I on was the outskirts not. of town. Yes, I was hiding. I was hiding. So you started going to school. That is, you started going to college a little bit early using connection classes and whatnot at MSUB and Rocky. That's right. Yes. Uh, I believe probably my junior year. So like two years before I graduated. Yeah. Um, So you and I actually went to Rocky together for about two years. And it was the best two years (laughs) of my life. Before I dropped out. (laughs) But I left you there. Yes. Right. That's true. What did you study in college? I studied a uh, BA in biology. So general degree in biology, mm-hmm. and then I minored, or dabbled, so to speak, in uh, mathematics and physics. My goodness. Two minors, one major. That is correct. Got your bachelor's degree. When, what year did you graduate? Do you even remember? 
I heck, think heck no. What 2016? We, we graduated high school in 2013. So maybe you graduated in 2017? I think it's 2016, but who who even knows? I matter. mean, you were doing college early, so right, you were yeah. you were ahead of everyone else. So Alrighty. it's all in the past. Do biology students end up doing like an undergrad thesis? Rocky's really awesome because you can pretty much do anything you want. <laughs> so I know you probably could do an undergrad thesis. You didn't. Though. I did not, though. Okay. You had enough to study. I had a lot going on. I pretty much every semester I had two biology classes, a physics class, high end upwards of two math classes, and then usually two to three labs. So I was booked. There was a crazy amount of chemistry in there too. I remember. Yes, a ton of chemistry. My goodness. So you and I were homeschooled together for probably a year before I went to public school. We worked together at City Brew for. Goodness, probably three or four years. Yeah, all through high school and I think into college. Yeah, yeah. that was a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a whole whole group of us from Laurel that we had a whole squad. Yeah, it was. You know, I talk bad a lot about you know your first job people yeah. do, but it was incredibly awesome the people that we had there. Right. Yeah, I loved it. Then we went to Rocky together for a little bit. After graduation, you went off to Bozeman. That is correct. I uh. Didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Yeah. I had done pre-med, decided I did not want to go to med school. One of my good friends, Garrett, who graduated with me, well, a little bit before, was up in Bozeman already doing chemical engineering. I was talking to him, trying to get some words of advice, some wisdom from the old sage. He, uh, he said, Stephen, you know what? I wanted to do med, medicine, you know, PA, whatever. And he did the same thing. He said, I don't want to do this anymore. He said, <laughs> you should come to Bozeman and try the engineering program oh as a master's yes because i think you would love it so i just moved to bozeman and and i got into the master's program and i took one year of classes no masters like no actual graduate classes just a few of the uh classes that i hadn't taken before and it was pretty uh fast paced because i was in quotes a graduate student you can take any classes you want so I just took all of the upper division engineering classes. Whoa. And it was really hard, to say the least. Sure. But I made it through, got all the prereqs I needed, and then uh, things changed. Things changed. How did things change? Let's go there. So I was bartending that year I was in school, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Kind of goes back to my love of cocktails. Mixing drinks. Yes, I love it. That is a good time. But... uh you know, I was working at the bar, things were getting slow, and I ended up just getting laid off. It's the first time that's ever happened. Yeah. And I said, man, I really, you that know. That didn't feel good. I'm sitting pretty good, you know. <laughs> I can I can weather the rest of this semester. Yeah. So I went from like February to the end of the semester not working. But then, you know, once once I was done, I said, hey, you know, I really need to get a job. So I, uh, I contacted a friend who was doing some contracting work. And I was like, hey, I, you need help painting. I've got a little bit of skill in that. You know, we, my dad and I built a house in Laurel and did all the finished carpentry and all that stuff. Yeah. So a gorgeous house too, by the way, a very, very pretty house. My I goodness. love that house. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I did one job with, uh, my friend, Sarah, it went fine, you know, made a little cash on the side. And, uh, she said, if you want to keep working with us, that's great, but you do need to go get your, uh, ICEC, which is your independent, independent contracting license mm-hmm. within Montana. So I just spent, Maybe a week talking to some people, figuring out how to do it, started a business, got my licensing, and then started doing some side work with her. 
She then introduced me to a gentleman named Randy, who uh, is a great builder contractor, and we really hit it off. And we have been working now together for almost two years. That's so good. I know in the world of contracting kind of construction work, a lot of you guys tend to kind of specialize in one specific area. Uh, Where did you start and where do you currently kind of specialize with Randy? So when I first started, I started with just really small odd jobs. I did a little painting, a little staining, and then moved into, okay, someone needs just a front door installed. So these really tiny tasks. And so I didn't really specialize in anything. I was just kind of trying to absorb knowledge. Anything I didn't know how to do, I wanted to learn how to do. Right. And, you know, anything I did know how to do, I was gung-ho to get paid to do it. There you go. Those are both very good attitudes to bring to any kind yes, of work. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this guy, Randy, is awesome. He's one of my great friends. And, you know, he's 62 years old. And we work together. We go get beers together. It's awesome. And he is amazing because I, you know, I came to the table honest. I said, hey, I know some carpentry skills, but a lot of things I don't know. Do you mind teaching me and showing me? And he has been slowly just teaching me everything that he knows. And, you know, I started from these really mundane tasks to just recently from the ground up building an airplane hangar. We did a complete remodel of a house where we raised the entire floor 16 inches. Whoa. And, you know, now I'm learning some really good, more fine carpentry skills, which I love. Um, Detailed woodworking and some cabinet building and things like that. So I've come a long way thanks to Randy. (laughs) Very nice. What's it like working for yourself? You don't really have a boss to answer to. You don't necessarily have a schedule imposed on you from on high somewhere. Essentially, you just kind of build your own schedule, build your own work life. What kind of things have you implemented like habits, routines, whatever. What keeps you working well, playing well when you're not at work? So one thing that's led me to keep doing this work is that I've, you know, you said what keeps me working well. Mm-hmm. I quickly found out that this kind of is a driving force. I've never really felt a lot of creativity in my bones, so to speak. Oh. I've never felt creative oh okay and in in the classic sense like painting or painting drawing guitar right exactly okay but doing this kind of work you know doing detailed woodworking and building things and Mm. kind of getting to tinker with the perfection i've really started to feel creative for the first time cool and a prime example of just how much i love it is in january i think i worked 27 or 28 days of the month whoa and it just it didn't feel like I was overworking myself. Wow. Okay. And it was just, I, I was so excited to go to the job I was working on every day. Yeah. Because it was, and is, I mean, it's the, the best work I've ever done. Yeah. You know, this, I did an office for somebody, um, all ship lap, uh, fake beams. We installed this massive window and I'm, I'm immensely proud of it. And like I said, it's, it's the finest thing that I've ever done. Right. And it was, it was a huge driving force for me um, to Very see cool. what I was capable of. Yeah. Um, and I was really apprehensive um, to do this because I didn't have a lot of knowledge on that kind of woodworking, but I knew, I knew that I could do it. And yeah. so it was really exciting to see it progress and to see this bonus space in this person's house go from 
bare bones two by four walls to this almost like French country style wooden tavern. Right. And and I did that. Yeah. And so that was really exciting. It transformed into a beautiful place. Exactly. Because of what you got to put and, into it. And I've, like I said earlier, I, I love sunrise and or morning and night because I'm up late and <laughs> right and up early. Yep. I can go to work from, you know, 7 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. and then still have the whole night to cook dinner and listen to podcasts and play video games and all this stuff. So I've never, I've never had like a hard time with that balance. Okay. Because I'm up till one o'clock every night or whatever it is and up at six. My goodness. So it, it works really well for me. Right on. Yeah. So you like the freedom that this kind of life has. I really do. And I, think a, I think a lot of people come to start depending on like the structure that a, a corporate structure gives or, you know, right. I, I have a nine to five kind of job. A lot of people depend on that mostly just because I don't necessarily want to call it lazy, but it's like they haven't thought through exactly what gives them the juice and why they're doing what they're doing. But it sounds like there's a lot of intrinsic inspiration inside you that just kind of like wells up when you do this job. Do you feel like, mm, what's the best way to put this? Do you feel like you're cheating the world when you get to go to work and do what you absolutely love? Like, do you feel like it's it shouldn't be fair that you get paid to do what you love. I I wouldn't say that. I think that it's it's uh it's really rewarding, but I think it's you know, with this kind of business, if you do it specifically, you know, ethically, I'm I'm putting forth the absolute best work that I can. Oh yeah, I guess I, I didn't mean cheating the world right. as in no, like no. Yeah. you're like swindling someone, but it just I love that feeling that you get when you're doing what you're right. so freaking excited but about. But here's, here's the thing, the way that I've been looking at it, and that I think that's part of the, the mindset, is that with the whole feeling like it's a creative endeavor, yeah. I don't feel like I'm cheating the world. I feel like I'm contributing to it. Oh, yeah. This, this office that I just built out, like I said, it's the best thing that I've ever done. And, yeah. and the guy that works in it loves his space, and he's more, he's more productive now. Yeah. And he's at when he works in that space, he loves it. And he told me, Steven, this is I look out my window every day and I see the mountains and I directly helped this person's work become more fulfilling as well. Yes. And and same thing with the house that we did where we raised the floor. It was really weird. The windows were way high off the ground. So the lady that lived there was five feet tall and the window started at five feet. My goodness. And they've got three hundred and sixty degree views of the mountains. And because of the structure of the house, we couldn't just lower the windows. Right. So we had to think, how can we solve this problem? Well, we'll just raise the floor. Raise the floor. And once we were done, you know, this lady, she said, you know, I've lived here five years. And for the first time every day, I look out the window and I see the beautiful mountains everywhere. I finally see. And she's like, I love my house. Whoa. It's really cool. Ooh, I just got chills. That's awesome. And then going back to, you know, having your own business, it's so... I don't want to do anything other than have my own business because I am completely and totally responsible for how much I make. Ooh, okay. I know right now in Bozeman, the climate is so hot that I can go out and I could, I could work 20 hours a day, 365 days a week or 365 <laughs> days a year if I wanted to. Yeah. But also I'm taking tomorrow off because I want to. I'm not going to go back to Bozeman. I'm going to stick around and hang out with my family. Yeah. And spur of the moment, you know, I uh, went to LA last week to help somebody 
with a church remodel. Yep. I was able to just say, you know what? I'm going to take off for a week and a half. There you go. No one can tell me I can't. And then you and I went to Spokane for a metal show. Exactly. We go moshed around (laughs) and I was able to just either take care of what needed to be done ahead of time or tell my client, hey, you know, I'm going to take Friday off. I'll see you Monday. Yeah. So the the balance and the tension between tremendous freedom on one side, but also the responsibility of knowing that failure is 100% owned on your side. Absolutely. There's there's no blame game you get to play anymore. It's really empowering. Yeah, it really is. So I encourage anyone. I'm glad you say empowering because yeah, yeah, it think really is a lot of a lot of the time people look at someone like you or someone who starts their own business, you know, selling a widget or selling an online class or whatever. And they think like that must be just the scariest thing ever. And I don't know if. I'm sure there's an element of fear, maybe when you first started and you were it was finally sinking in on you like oh man, I'm making money just basically generated by my own effort, energy, skills. But it's way more than fear. There's there's an inspiration there and there's a drive behind it. Like, all right, let's do this. We're going for it. With this life that you've crafted for yourself, working for yourself, being self-employed, what does a typical morning look like for you? <laughs> so curious. So a typical morning is uh, getting up probably between 6 and 6.30. The nice thing about being self-employed is some days, if I didn't sleep well, I'm not feeling great, I can get up at 8. You know, it's there is that flexibility, but I, I like to get up 6, 6.30. Okay. Um, I get up, make a pot of coffee. While the coffee is brewing, I brush my cat. Oh. Little Timo gets a brush. Yes. Uh, well, first I feed him, then I make my coffee. That's a good call. He, he's first. Yeah. But brew my coffee brush him i don't usually eat breakfast i really should really i I don't i usually bring a yogurt or something to eat mid-morning okay but just drink my coffee i usually sit drink my coffee uh around 7 15 i'll start my truck and then while my truck's warming up i have a nice little cuddle sesh with my cat oh my gosh and then start the day roaring timo what a beautiful cat your your mama cat birthed timo yeah dixie and i adopted a cat I want to say June or July. We picked her up. We brought her home. Maybe five or six weeks into it, we were wondering, why? Like, we're not feeding her all that much. She's getting really fat, though. And it turns out she was pregnant when we adopted her. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, a couple weeks after we realized that she was not getting fat, in fact, that she was brewing a litter, uh, she gave birth to five kittens, and we raised them. And you ended up with one of them. I'm so happy you did. It's fun to see him. He's a good little guy. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be a cat person. And then... You, uh, I get be- a cat I, and you will become a cat person. I became a cat person. Yes. Yep. And I said, I'm not going to love this little creature. By golly, I love that little creature. And now you brush him and snuggle him and yes, feed him every morning. Literally every morning. Yes. What is wrong with me? That's great. So you're out at work. You eat lunch on the job. Or do uh, you bring you, lunch with you? Well, Randy and I. Oh. We work to eat lunch. We love going out and getting lunch. Nice. So probably about once a week, we'll we'll find a way to either bring a client out to have lunch, Ooh. or we'll just stop somewhere and we'll sit down and we'll get a sandwich. And you know, if we're feeling feisty, we might have a beer for lunch. There you go. And then get back to it. What does a typical evening look like after you get home? Typical evening, I get home. Usually, scrounge around, 
kind of decide, am I going to cook something elaborate tonight or am I going to go lazy? I want to mention before you go further that your lazy is my elaborate. You spend so much time cooking. You're easily one of the best cooks I know. I, I do a lot of cooking. Yes, you do. And <laughs> I, in past years, have done a ton of baking. Uh-huh. I have, so far this year, I've only baked bread once. Okay. It's time consuming. It takes about five hours to do sourdough. I don't always have that time. But yes, I love baking. I love cooking. My philosophy is, I, I also, I, you know, I love to get, eat out. I love to get good food, but it gets expensive. Yep. But I know that I can make anything that I want. And it's really, again, I mean, same thing as having your own business. Learn how to cook. It's really empowering. You, Where did you learn how to cook? Was that just from your parents? Mostly my parents. My yeah. mother's a great cook. Oh, my she's grandma, spectacular. My grandma was beautiful Italian mm. grandma. Back in Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania. Yeah. But, or Philadelphia specifically. Oh, duh. Sorry. Dang, I messed that up. <laughs> <laughs> it out. I knew that. Back in Pennsylvania. Right. Uh, great cook. So I didn't really learn from her per se, but I remember her teaching me how to chop vegetables, you know, mm. curling your fingers, little things like that. And then almost part of like the homeschool curriculum was the home ex side of it. Yeah. So there was a lot of learning how to cook and bake and do things like that, which right. I'm grateful for. Yep. But the reason cooking for yourself is so empowering is you come home from work and you, you are just craving something, whether it's, I want creme brulee or, oh, I remember one time I had chicken tikka masala. I, I could go for that right now. Oh you can just word. make it. Make it for yourself. You can just make it for yourself. Yeah. I can't right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to build my cooking skills right now. And yeah. But man, watch a YouTube video. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. I've literally spent time on Skillshare. <laughs> Learning wa- how to cook. Watching cooking videos. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. So a typical evening for you, you come home from work, decide if you want to go elaborate or lazy cooking right right but so, either way you're preparing yourself a meal of some when you sort. get home right exactly I'll, I'll usually eat dinner a lot of the times i'll get off work around that 6 7 yeah so i'll be home 7 8 depending cook dinner and then i usually end up either watching youtube videos uh, some sort of like cocktail making videos or bon appetit or maybe like woodworking furniture building yeah um, for a little while, or I'll listen to some podcasts, and then usually at some point every night, I'll hop on the computer and I'll play some League of Legends. Hey, there you go. We'll hop on Discord with Colin and Sierra, yeah, Forrest, yep. the whole, you know, the, you know, the whole squad, <laughs> and then we'll play some games together. Little unwind, exactly. That's good. And then probably about once a week, I will make myself a nice cocktail. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, you have quite the the home bar. I've got probably about 40 different bottles of liquor on my bar right now not to mention all the other things that you add to it and you make your own bitters don't you yes i've made lavender and orange bitters thank you i've made tons of syrups you know if i ever want to try a new cocktail or try to invent something i'll make a, a simple syrup with some sort of infusion in it if you've never had homemade grenadine it's incredible. I have not, but it sounds like you need to give me some. Yes, it's so much better than store-bought grenadine. Really? You use pomegranate juice and pomegranate molasses. Yum. So it's really, really thick. Yum. And then I steep it with rose petals and orange zest. So it's like has this floral undertone. And then because it's so thick, when you mix it in a cocktail, it just gets this beautiful 
thick mouthfeel. It just exponentially makes any drink that has maraschino, or I should say grenadine in it, better than what you could imagine. Now I'm thirsty. Oh, speaking of thirsty, maybe a year or two ago, you and your roommate, Cam, who will eventually make it on this show. Yes. You guys started a podcast. We did. Named The Whiskey Bench. The Whiskey Bench. Seven episodes are out. Correct. As we speak. That's true. But it sounds like this show is coming back. Uh, It is. I really want it to come back. Yeah. The premise behind it was to start every episode with a cocktail that I make. Usually tell you what's in it, how to make it, or maybe a little history behind it. I loved the history. Yes. That was my favorite part. Which was so fun. And then uh, Cam and I just talked shop. Just hung out. Yeah, it was just like college roommates hanging out over a drink. So I really wanted to come back. More cocktails. You know, my liquor collection's even greater now, so I can make more drinks. Yeah. You Uh, have more recipes to bring. More recipes for sure. (laughs) And just maybe give it a little more structure and really plow through and and get some episodes out on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe have people on, you know, well, we've talked about this, but... Maybe add a third co-host. A third co-host, Stephen Henning. (laughs) Yeah, so that'll be coming soon. We have no dates as of right now. No, I need to get a setup and... But it's something we want to revamp by the... At least by the end of this year. That would be worst case scenario. We're starting back up, but we're starting in 2020 sometime. Definitely. Thank you for listening to No Normal People this week. If you like what you're hearing, the best place to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or Facebook Reviews. Click the link in the show notes for this episode. It will take you directly to either iTunes or Facebook to leave a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NoPeoplePod. That's K-N-O-W, PeoplePod. And you can also find us through our hashtags, hashtag NoNormalPeople and hashtag KNP. Also head on over to Facebook.com slash NoPeoplePod and find our Normal People Community Facebook group. Make sure that you are subscribed anywhere that you listen to podcasts, and you can do so by going to our website, www.nonormalpeople.com slash subscribe. And with that, let's get back to the interview with Stephen Torna. Okay, I want to talk about, well, okay, so we've talked about your contracting work now. Correct. We've talked about your interest in mixology basically drinking and interest in mixing drinks also interest in cooking a lot of your creativity is starting to spark out of contracting correct and you and i have been in talks about you kind of focusing your business or at least a side of your business or even a completely separate business doing some custom furniture yes absolutely tell me everything you know okay so (laughs) i don't know a lot about furniture building okay then let me rephrase that tell me everything you want to do yes with custom I've furniture got so much to say please i mentioned earlier that i you know almost every night i'm watching some sort of woodworking video on how to do some sort of joint or cut and you know i'm visiting home this weekend and in my dad's shop i'm just practicing certain cuts and kind of making some small projects and really kind of refining those things uh, just this week, I built a 
mid-century modern style box. Felt lined. It's just for rolling dice. It's a dice box. A dice box. A dice box. I didn't even know I needed one of these until I saw it on Instagram. It's it's on legs. (laughs) It's walnut and maple with brass accents. I made a walnut and maple wooden dice, like a giant wooden dice. Yep. That is mounted on the top, and it's the handle. Yeah. To take the to take the lid, lid off. off, yes, and then it has this beautiful, like swirly sage green felt that I put on the inside, and it's just kind of ridiculously elaborate for just rolling dice. I need one, please, for my D and D nights. Yes, and I could make it like D and D themed. Fantastic. But really, it started last winter when I was house sitting for someone with a shop, and I just said I really want to make a coffee table. I've done some small projects in the past. But I said, you know, I really want to try something difficult. I want to do something with weird angles, some techniques that I don't even know how to do. Because I was at this house for a week in the middle of the winter. I was snowed in. I said, I'm going to go in the shop, start a fire, and just start goofing around. And I built this kind of funky modern table with weird angles and paint and wood elements. And it was, it was unique. I, I really like designed something from my imagination that was kind of felt distinctly like me. And since then, I've really, really been just thinking about furniture and, okay, what, what's functional? What's stylish? How do you blend those two? Always looking at how things are built, materials, and, you know, kind of trying to approach furniture from an inspiration stemmed from other passions that I have. I have this desire to create like a furniture empire. Of Whoa. of things that you have never seen before. Okay, and I and I've got sketches of these things. Yeah, and you know I want to go into the wood shop and say I'm going to build a set of chairs inspired by my favorite cocktail. Whoa! I, I, I you know there's a drink called the Aviation. It's lemon and gin, maraschino liqueur, and then creme de violette, which is a violet liqueur. Yeah, it's a beautiful like purple. Ooh, liquor. Ooh. And it's served in like a martini glass or a coupe and uh it's like tart and then sweet. And I and I've just been thinking how how can I portray that in a piece of furniture? Whoa. So I I designed these chairs with kind of like smooth angles to kind of represent like the cocktail glass, the okay. coupe. And then I thought, "Oh, how cool would it be to use kind of like a light Red stained, maybe cherry as the wood. Yeah. To kind of represent that maraschino liqueur. And then do some sort of really beautiful violet upholstery. And then I thought, oh, how cool would it be to do little, maybe like stamped cherries in it or stamped violet flowers. Right. And kind of tie all these elements of a drink into a piece of furniture. That's so cool. And I really don't think anyone's ever done that. I've never heard of something of the sort. Right. And I've, and I've thought about this um, in so many ways. I've even thought of pieces of furniture inspired by like foods, just from like the, the color palette of foods that I enjoy or things oh. that I enjoy cooking and say, well, like I love curries. Like I love that beautiful turmeric yellow curry. Okay, well, why don't I try and build something that has that color in it? You know, this is just really, really what I'm inspired by and, I, and, I, and i'm just trying to slowly work that into a reality yeah that sounds so cool man 
Uh, yeah, I've I've never heard of a concept like this, and right. I I I know very very few people who could ever pair those two interests, drinks and furniture. Right, and and the cool thing too is the names already kind of give such a beautiful title to your pieces. Yeah. So I do my aviation set, and it would it would just be like the aviation series. And, and in the aviation series, you have like a couch and an armchair and right, and it could even table. just be yeah, it could just be the color palette like that that light red and violet combo, yeah. which is very like modern. But I I love the idea of it. So you have quite a few of the upholstery skills. I I've seen your notebook. You're working on a lot of like your drafting skills, kind of yes, working to represent it on paper. Yes, and then even doing some simple modeling, right? Yep, I've done some like try to use SketchUp a little bit here and there. Yeah, I prefer just pen on paper. I think it's the best way. Yeah, just run it through a notebook. Exactly, that's so good. Um, Everyone I, should carry a notebook. I agree. I carry. I've got like five notebooks. Oh, one nice. in my tool belt, one in my truck, one for D and D. Nice. Um, but in addition to kind of that that thought of building things, I also have really been trying to focus on. If I design something, I want every piece to have at least three different materials in it. Oh. And I love the idea of either two kinds of wood and then some sort of, you know, upholstery fabric. Yeah. Or like two woods and then something completely different, like a metal, a brass. Oh. Or something along those lines. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Okay. I'm curious. See how this goes. What piece would you build based on an old-fashioned on an old-fashioned. Okay, so I never thought about this. An old-fashioned is whiskey, some sort of aromatic bitters, uh, and then maybe like a twist of orange and a cherry to garnish it. A little bit of sugar, but I don't really know how you throw sugar into the mix. And typically over ice, correct? Yes, over ice. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking already you've got like a whiskey glass, which is kind of like short and stout, right? It's a shorter, stouter glass, really heavy bottom, light sides. So you could do, I'm thinking of maybe like a weird end table. Color scheme wise, you've got like a light caramely color. The aromatic bitters are really, really dark. And then you've got the orange and the cherry. Yeah. So right off my, right off the top of my head, I'm thinking, you know, probably a square end table, but round legs that are very similar to like a whiskey glass. Color scheme. A lighter wood that you could stain like a caramely color, maybe like maple is your primary, and then to get those elements of like the aromatic bitters, maybe some walnut inlays, details, or trim around drawers, and then because of the orange and the cherry, I'm thinking paint elements, so maybe paint, you know, do cut out handles mm-hmm. with, an, with an inlay that are painted like an orange or a cherry. Just off the top of my head. That's so cool. That's what I wanted off yeah. the top of your head. And you could even you could even do uh, recesses on the top for like glasses. Okay. So you could you could do like little pre-made oh. recesses where your cup just kind of sits in. That would be so cool. It's like a built-in coaster. Yeah, yeah. Cork lined or something like that. That would be fantastic. What's what's your go-to drink if you're going to go out for a night of like casual hangout at a bar? Uh, probably a Negroni. What? does a piece of furniture look like based on that drink okay so the negroni is gin vermouth and campari and campari is like a really really bitter orange italian digestive oh okay so right away it would have to be like red 
like cherry red. So I would do bright, like bright. Okay. So I would do, and it's served in a, it's served in a whiskey glass with like a single big rock. So I would do, I think like a small box oh. would be cool. Like a, sure. jewel, a jewelry box. Cherry stained like neon red. Open it up. Maybe it's lined with like bright orange felt because it's always served with like an orange peel. Mm. And then it would have to be because of usually like the, the chunk of ice that's served in it. Yeah. I think it would be uh, angular somehow. So the box would be narrower at the bottom than it is the top. So you'd have maybe oh. like a 15 degree slant outwards. Yeah. And I would say no legs on it. It'd be stout. Stout enough to hold itself, but the top is uh, has more surface area than the base. Correct. Think of like, you know, almost like a diamond. Like, you know how a yeah. diamond, like a traditional cut diamond comes yeah. out at the top. But right. square, but something like that. And it can be stable. Yeah. So cool. Okay. Brass accents. I just love brass accents. My personal favorite drink is nothing fancy. Okay. Uh, it's one ingredient. And that, <laughs> and that is... I wonder what that is. 16-year-old Lagavulin scotch, uh, as made popular and famous by Ron Swanson on Parks and Recreation. Okay. What would... Well, I'm, I'm leading you straight to this, but what would a bench... <laughs> what would a bench look like based on Lagavulin scotch whiskey? Okay. For the whiskey bench. For the whiskey bench. Really basic square legs. Like just two blocks for legs on each side. I would then do maybe some sort of, I wouldn't do live edge, but I would do just a simple, maybe three inch thick slab. Something lighter, maybe a cherry or, or wal- I just love walnut. Okay. I, just, I love walnut. Yeah. So it would be walnut. Sounds good to the me. Back of the bench though, I would have to do something with. Okay. So what, what do you think of when you think of scotch? Pete, you've mm-hmm. got. Oh man, especially Lagavulin. It's right. like it's peat, got peat, smoky smoke. So you bottled a bonfire basically with right, this whiskey. Right. Okay, so how about the legs are painted? Oh. So maybe the legs are painted in like a mossy green um, element or stained um, in a mossy green. Okay. Probably, probably uh, do like a tinted lacquer. So you would still see the grain of the wood, but it would have like a translucent. Like mossy color to it. Yeah. Then you have your natural slab, just oiled, stained, natural. Uh huh. And then on the back, I would do some sort of probably solid back. If you wanted like a bench you could lean up against. Sure. And then maybe to represent the like the smokiness, you could do like an electro charred piece of wood. So you basically you soak the wood with water and then you hook what? electrodes to each side what? and you run a current through it. Oh and my then goodness. It, it, sh- it looks like lightning and it shoots like lightning across, like burns a pattern across it. And then you could fill it with epoxy or something like that. That was off the dome and you just blew my mind. That sounds so cool. Well, now you need to make this bench for our podcast. Yes. Oops. That'd be cool. I talked you into that one. I'm not a huge fan of the like, I don't know what it's technically called, the burning. Okay. A lot of people do it. It's not my thing. Yeah. I made a table doing it once and filled it with epoxy and it was glow in the dark. It was kind of cool. That sounds pretty neat to me. <laughs> but uh, I like the, the idea of the like color. I love wood and paint sure. elements together. Yeah. Like accented paint, but the focus is the wood. Oh, okay. Um, What would you say as far as furniture design goes, or maybe even house design too, what 
kind of styles inspire you the most? What what do you try and emulate or draw inspiration from? So right now I've done a ton of just kind of mental cataloging of mostly modern furniture. That's what I really like. Um, part of it is Montana's market is just really saturated with more traditional rustic furniture. Lots of log. Yeah, and it's beautiful, and there's a lot of great craftsmen around that do it, but that's just that there's a lot of great craftsmen that already do it. Right. And I find a lot more enjoyment and kind of connect more with the like mid-century modern style just because they really tried to blend simplicity with functionality. Ooh. And I also love that they always have really traditional materials, walnuts, teaks, maple, that yeah. are always, you know, pretty naturally stained and then pops of color. You know, these crazy wild oranges, blues, greens, yellows. Mm. So you have this beautiful, like, bright, happy feel to all of your furniture. And then as far as houses go, I would love to build a house like that. I love the, you know, floor to ceiling glass. Tons of natural light. Yeah. Really open spaces. Uh-huh. Not always big spaces, but just getting the most out of what you build. And, and you want to make it feel big, even yes. if it's 500 and I am, feet. And I am so obsessed with step-down living rooms. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Dixie and I toured one of these. We were, we were thinking of renting a house with a step-down living room yes. in Laurel. Someday, what like I I will feel at the peak of my adulthood success. Yeah, when I have a house that has a step down living room, because I just think it's so rad, and it it can be done really bad or it can be done really really well. And there's something about even when we were touring it, there was something about stepping into it that made it feel more cozy yeah. and safer. Yes. In a way. Yes. It's like nothing really changed. And it was a big room. But we walked in. We were like, oh, that's a new feeling yes. for a living room. And the other thing that I really love about the kind of modern style homes. Yeah. They always have needlessly huge, ridiculously colored front doors. Ooh, yes. And I love that. Okay. Like I'm a pretty like conservative person as far as like design and colors and things like that. But having like a five foot wide, eight foot tall door that's just like pink or neon orange is cool. I would do that as <laughs> someone that's, you know, a little bit more reserved as far as yeah. design and things like that. Well, yeah. What kind of uh, like interior design aesthetic appeals to you most? I mean, like Dixie and I have kind of a cozy, cozy living room feel, a couple big couches, like bookshelves all over the place. Ultimately, though, we kind of want to head more in like a minimalist direction. Right. I don't know. What, Ide- what appeals I- to you? Ideally, a minimalist kind of yeah. design is best for me. So like, okay. let's talk about my step-down living room. Yeah. Let's yep. just lay it out. Yeah. Okay. Floor so you, plan. Right. So you step down into this living room. It probably has like three walls and then, you know, one of the walls is just floor to ceiling glass. So that's that's kind of a a part of the house that doesn't have a lot of furniture. The the highlight is seeing, the window itself. The, wing, the window and seeing outside. Yeah. I would, however, put some furniture there. Uh, right now I'm designing a piece of furniture that is gonna have like a translucent back, like a translucent resin back to this bookshelf. Yeah. So if it was against a window, 
it would shine through the back, whatever color that like resin is on the back. And so that's something and silhouette your books. Right. So that'd be really cool. So that, so that would be something cool. that would specifically be designed to like go next to a big window. Yeah. But I would have two really comfortable chairs, like plush sofas, modern style, but just really, really like kind. You just want to take a nap in. Mm. And then I would probably have one or two really minimalist modern style couches, um, peg leg. It would all be solid wood. But the focus wouldn't be the wood. The focus would be the cushions. Yeah. So whatever the color might be. Ooh, okay. So very delicate wood accents. And then the focus is actually like the upholstery. So cool. And then I don't know how I feel about area rugs. Yeah. Probably like a natural wood floor. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. So a couple bookshelves. I would have to have one of my big goals is to build a ridiculous liquor cabinet. Yes. So that would be... How could it not be after our conversation? The the focus would have to be kind of this ridiculous liquor cabinet. Right. And and that kind of is my whole philosophy of like entertaining and like I can cook you food and I can make you cocktails. Yeah. So that's... Share drinks, sit at my couch, look at my amazing view. Yes. So that that would be like one of the highlights. And then, you know, no uh, no TV in my living room. Ooh, but could we throw a record player in there? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Thank you. Um, so that's what I want. Well, I would love to build a, a record cabinet as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of minimalist, but very like you want to be in there with people. Yeah. And I also love the idea of intermittent with like sofas and couches, having just some like wooden chairs. Ooh. Yeah. Like okay. as a part of the, the element of design or, or gathering. Sure. Like you can pull up some comfortable, but more like dining room style chairs. Hmm. That sounds good. If I ever build a house, Stephen, the majority of my budget is going to go into windows and lighting. Modern lighting is impeccable. I'll show you some pictures afterwards. Okay. Yes, please. I'll find some examples, put them on our Instagram. That'd too. be amazing. Mm. Like This is the light that I, I know exactly. It's called like the PH5. It's the light that I'm obsessed the with. The PH5. Yes. Okay. Man, I, I love hearing about your work. I love hearing about this like I can see it sitting at the table here and I can see it in your eyes, like how excited you are to be talking about all this. It's so good. I'm, I'm I like seeing this. Well, in you. I'm super Italian guys. And I wish that you could be here with me and see how my hands have shifted from being really stiff on my lap yeah. to waving them around in the air. Yeah. I did. <laughs> you transformed when you, when we started talking about furniture. Yep. And I started smacking the audio equipment. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I love it. And I guess while you're building a furniture empire, I'll work on the podcasting side, shall we? That sounds great. And we'll just conquer the world. I love it. Somehow. Now, this is something that we had talked about before, and I think it's appropriate with this podcast and kind of our philosophy. I want to be great at furniture building or be great at construction, just Mm. like I know you want to be great at podcasting or Mm -hmm. great at whatever, whatever you do. Yeah. But above all, I want to represent Montana. And we, yes. we had mentioned this before. Thank you I so much. I want to show people that Montana is great. And hey, this, this guy's doing this crazy thing, this beautiful furniture. And yeah. it's from Montana? Like yep. what? What? Do people do that in Montana? Yeah. Yeah. You were born here in Hardin. I was born in Brighton, Colorado. And then I did some growing up in Winterset, Iowa. And I remember when my family announced that we were going to be moving to Montana. I had friends that were like, 
you're moving to a state with a city called butt. (laughs) And I remember being like, but my parents tell me I'll really like it there. Yeah. And when I first moved here, it very much felt like, I don't know if my parents did this intentionally or what, but, uh, when we first moved here, it was like, we were going to rodeos and my dad bought us like cowboy hats and all this. And that's as, amazing. And the more, as I've grown up, like I really appreciated that time of like, I, I know what my parents were doing and it was trying to help us see the, the uniqueness and the benefit to moving because we really didn't want to move away from our friends in Iowa. So I know they were kind of leaning into the things that make Montana incredibly unique compared to someone like somewhere like Iowa. But yeah, so we were listening to country music. We were wearing cowboy boots, <laughs> all these things. And as I've grown up, like I got into metal music and I got into right. all these extra things. And like the, the culture I find myself in is fo- so far away from the cowboy aesthetic. Oh, 100%. But it's still where we live. Right. Exactly. But you know what you want to do with furniture and kind of what you want to build into that brand and into what you intend to do with the rest of your life is like, is show that see not all of the great furniture that comes out of Montana has to be built out of just plain logs with bark still on them. Right. Right. And what I want to do with podcasts, like I want to put Montana on the map for the same kind of cultural sentiments that you might find in a huge hub of entertainment, like LA or New York. It's like, you can find interesting people who have fun things to do and they don't have to fit the stereotype of like the geography of their life you know right something something more can come out of montana than country music cowboy uh there there are literally people that i met forget where i meet them honestly so that makes me a little sad but uh they were under the misconception that like half of montana didn't even have roads serviceable for cars oh yeah exactly or or like they actually think that horse-drawn buggies are still used yeah it's hilarious yeah putting montana on the map in a different way than that is is great and that's an exciting future for me (laughs) and a lot of people have different philosophies on this and yeah it's great if you want to go move somewhere else and you want to be a part of maybe a bigger community that is into a certain field that you're interested in yeah you know, like or, people go to la for film or people go to new york for fashion or or comedy or, or comedy yeah. right or whatever it might be that's fine go to portland to be weird yeah exactly or what's seattle known for coffee coffee and sadness yeah exactly <laughs> but you know you cut you have two choices you can go somewhere where it's commonplace yeah or you can say okay i don't like that billings doesn't have good food which which it does. I'm not saying it doesn't. Now it does. Right. But that's because people were here and they said, okay, well, I can move somewhere and open a restaurant. And just be another food. restaurant that does almost the same things. Or I can do it myself here. Yeah. And I can make sure that where I live has good food, has yeah. good podcasts, has good furniture, whatever it is. You can do that in your community. Absolutely. Which I love. Just that's bring, what I want to do. Bring your dreams to where you already are. Man, this has been so good. <laughs> Thanks for coming on this podcast. It was really fun. I look forward to many more podcasts with you over on the Whiskey Bench. Yes, where we can talk about... Well, it's going to be more open, open-ended. open Exactly. Talk about anything. Yeah. But to wind us down here, I want to ask what you're currently reading. Ah, yes. Uh, what am I currently reading? So I started a Nietzsche book. Woof. And I had to stop it. That's an investment. It was, what was the name of the book? 
something about the struggle of good and evil or the understanding good and evil. Okay. Which is honestly really boring. Uh, oh, I know what I'm doing. I am reading a book called Falling to Fly. And there's a story around it. And it's a bit lengthy, so I don't know if we want to go into it. Is this the guy you met? Yes. Oh, I think we'll just mention the title yeah. and say this guy has a crazy life. Long story short, someone was installing carpet on a job I was doing. And a book was written about him because his life is absolutely insane. And he just went to his van and handed me a book. And he's like, this is about my life. Read it. Some highlights I remember that you told me. Real life ghost stories. Yes. Gold prospecting in South America. Yeah, he almost died in the Amazon. He was attacked by drug cartel and thrown off of a cliff. So yeah, he almost died in the yes. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> he says that nature saved his life, and then since then he's pursued relentlessly conserving the rainforest. Yeah. And he started a nonprofit with a bunch of people from around the world, and they bought like 20,000 acres of rainforest, and... I haven't got to that part in the book yet. That is wild. And so that's a great, it's kind of the mantra of this podcast. Yeah, right. I thought this guy just installed carpet. Yeah. And he was deeply interesting. And yeah. his story is incredible. And he gave you that like, what even is your life feeling? Right. Yeah. yeah. He, he was that's not, my favorite he feeling. was not a normal person. Absolutely. But he seemed like a regular Joe. Yeah. Okay. What are you currently listening to? Let's start with music. What's your default when you open something like Spotify? My go-to for Spotify right now is a band called Her. I love it. It's kind of like a, they're a French band. It's Euro disco vibe to it. It's very enjoyable. Yeah, right on. As far as podcasts go. Yes, please. Uh, I've, courtesy of you, been relentlessly listening to Wealth, Power, and Success. Wealth, Power, and Influence. And Influence, right, by Jason Stapleton. That's my, and uh, that guy. That's kind of become my jam. Uh, and then beyond that, I love like little documentary podcasts about, like I just listened to the mysterious Mr. Epstein. Oh, yeah. Which is just kind of like a biography and things like that. And right. I liked The Caliphate, like little more oh, like- Oh, from the New York Times? Yes. Yeah, so I love little like journalistic miniseries yeah. podcasts. Okay. S-Town Serial. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, I, I listened to quite a bit of like Sidecar and like Smithsonian oh, yeah. um, podcasts and things like that. Very cool. Just little, little short tidbits where I can just learn a lot about a bunch of little things. Yeah. There you go. So good, man. Thank you so much for podcasting with me tonight. Always a pleasure to be with you. I'm so happy we did this. To close us out, will you read our favorite quote? Absolutely. The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Thank you.